welcome to tonight's production of Spoiler Alert. I'm your artistic director, Sonia Stanger, and I'm joined as always by the sensitive and penniless playwright, Jeremy Leguie, and the fabulous star of stage and screen, Sean Dunham. Hi, Hi. stagehands. Does anyone have any leftovers that I can have? Phones off, please. (laughs) Phones off. Thank you, five. Put them on silent. (laughs) Thank you, five. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just do a quick land acknowledgement, and then we won't actually do any work to address the real problems of colonialism. (laughs) And we're good. Okay. Perfect. Um, so this week, in case you couldn't tell from that hilarious banter, we are treading some well-trodden boards and talking about movies that are adapted <laughs> from stage plays. You know, plays like movies, but live, where Patty Lapone will yell at you if she thinks you're playing Candy Crush while you watch. So Phone to start off. us <laughs> to start us <laughs> off, gents, let the people know what's your relationship to theater like. Jared, why don't you start? Um, was theater theater? I think theater was kind of my first thing. Hmm. Your first Am love, I, that correct? I don't know if it was love, but I definitely, uh, I, at a young age, I was like always involved in like some kind of musical situation, which often just had me like thrown into a choir, um, which I didn't really enjoy. I, you know, it's like, oh, everyone meet up to sing the songs. It's like, I don't sing this song. Why am I singing this song with every, like, this is a solo. Why are we all doing this together? But that was like an elementary school deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out that there were other jobs where you didn't have to sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like a highlight in terms of like, you get to have your research, your research, your recess, sir. But uh, <laughs> you have to go home and then like write down every time someone enters from this side of the stage. And I was like, that's a good trade off. I'll take that. So I did. I started doing that, and uh, it started with like microphones. Yeah, there's a lot of microphones, yeah. a lot of moving microphones. In grades six, seven, and eight, you know, we got four microphones, and sometimes five people need to speak. So you get inventive. Oh, and, and you were you were doing the the mic tracking. Uh, well, there was a there was a what was he called? He, he was he was a teacher, but he's like a, a learning resource teacher named Bob Bob Kitts. Shout out to Bob. Um, Sorry, his Bob, first and last name were Bob. Bob Kitts. Oh, Bob oh got it. Oh, I thought yeah. it was Bob uh, Bob Kitts. I thought it was Bob. Bob <laughs> and Kitts. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, is he a part of the uh, wine Kitts fortune? Probably. <laughs> 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 that was tight. That, that was. was good, man. You gotta. That's yeah, gotta that's give got, it. That's to respected. It. That's respected. Anyway, um, he he was a teacher and in charge of like turning knobs and dials and i was in charge of <laughs> the making sound, sure sound that... person yes but okay. i was in charge and and like this i think you guys need to like knock this down a whole bunch like he just stood beside a poorly placed pa system in a gym which was not in a good spot and he just did his best yeah like turning you know uh and like i think he had a flashlight in his mouth both the night most of the night to, <laughs> to look at the script <laughs> and like you know like he just it just go back and forth. And then I was the other half of that team in Lord. charge of making sure the right people were mic'd up. I did a lot of like, I got very comfortable with just like reaching up a girl's dress to grab a mic out. Oh yeah. And like they, they too quite comfortable yeah. with the, like, you know, because you know, like we got the four good microphones from head office and this is how it's going to play. And everyone else would like kind of be forced to either like share with a friend where they like, 
like one person would be Mike and the other person had to get Heads nearly close. close to their face. Yes. Or I had to do my favorite thing, which was also the most terrifying thing, which was where they'd make little spots for me on stage and I would just hold up <laughs> <laughs> like a regular microphone. <laughs> like from behind uh, a cardboard tree? A hundred percent. Yes. Incredible. And I kind of thought of it like a boom operate yeah thing like i started doing that anyway uh i then uh my there was a big film industry my brother went to film school and i kind of got exposed to that and i really like this whole idea of like doing things multiple times mm. mm-hmm. you know so in high school i started taking photography classes and then i still did a lot of i did improv where i would like be on and then i would stage manage because that was like the technical yeah the technical thing um and i did that for a long time i really enjoyed it uh i later learned that i had a pretty pretty bad ulcer during that whole time yeah so what i thought was stage fright was actually a symptom of a disease oh, no. okay <laughs> so, uh but it was good it was great jeremy I had I had this life of a teenage sound tech i love it <laughs> oh no yeah. no no that was that that sound tech ended in grade eight like that was like oh preteen sound like ch- yes. child Mike Mike's person. One of the one of the shows I did it was this was the best. They gave me like a green sock to wear on my arm, and then the mic had a, a bush on it. And like I wish think, I could go back in time and see that. You think about the situation though, because the obvious move given any time is to just leave the mic there. Yeah, and then yeah. move more people to the you know. But, like, sets come in and out, you know, that sort of thing. They get tricky with different sorts of things. And then the the big one was, like, we had six channels with six microphones. Like, that was it. Like, there was a hard cap. And so there was just really fun, like, technical things that we got to do where, like, I think I held that microphone up for, like, 80 seconds, maybe. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, like it's just not not worth it at all. It didn't really function the way that they wanted it to. It was great. It was really great. Wow. Um, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. So this basically a long and storied history. This is so funny because I went to you first because I was like, well, I know Sean has a lot to say. So Jairz will be Jairz will be quicker. I, but I was Jeremy wrong. has a secret history. But there is like, there is a, I'm going to, I don't, this is an assumption. There seems to be a very like Saskatchewan thing where if you're quote unquote artsy, yeah, they put you in theater. Because like is wife true. of the show, wife of the show, Ellen, in many a stage play, yeah, uh, and like not at all interested in that in her adult life or any, you know, like, but it is just like, okay, like you're not in the marching band and you can't play sports, so where do you go? <laughs> so you you're just find your, you find yourself on stage. Apparently, you know. Apparently, uh, anyway. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's the, that's the, the theater. That's the theater story. I've loved to hear that. Sean, what about you? Um, so I have a torrid history with the theater. <laughs> um, basically, my my the town I grew up in has like this annual um, dinner theater that they put on every year, and it's like a twelve night run, and they do everyone in town like makes cabbage rolls, and it's like a huge. It makes hundreds of thousands of dollars like every year to like oh support God. the rink it's like quite an endeavor um and then it's just like local people like local like farmers like do the show um and so i like have just always gone to play practice with him and 
run everyone's lines and like known everyone's lines like months before anyone else did because you're a child sponge and I'm just like (laughs) and I'm obviously like an annoying little kid so I love to pipe up the line before the other person can say it and you know that's just a problem with me personally but um and then I just still do a lot of theater today I mean currently in cabaret and you should come see me but I do I do love the theater plug 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 yeah yeah I love how you kept that short and tight. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, like we actually in my high school didn't have a theater. I think we mm. did. We we had theater in my grade 12 year. A new a new teacher moved to town and she was like, oh, we got to put up a, a show. And they did one show and it was called, it was a satire called um, The Silence of, or wait, The Silence of the Hams. No. It was a a satire of Silence of the Lambs, obviously. And I played a detective, but I was basically just doing an anchorman impression. And it was a very cuckoo performance. Incredible. Also wish I could go back in time to see that. I would watch that. And there was two songs, and the kindergarten teacher wrote them both just from scratch. And they were weird. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think wow. there was there was there was no sound equipment, so we were just fully barking off the stage, uh, as you do. Yeah, you know. Sometimes it's better, Sean. Sometimes it's better. Oh yeah, and I can project. We have we have to project. He has the skills. I can can attest. Yeah. And having had the privilege to see your hometown theater, your dinner theater, one time, I can also attest that that is a miraculous and beautiful thing. It is Did very see- fun. Did you see it before you knew Sean? No, that would be hilarious. Oh, okay. Sean, Sean took me one year. And the food was amazing. Nice. Um, yeah, so okay, three for three on Theater Kids, I guess, is, is yeah. as it goes. Who would have thunk? The pipeline. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I also, from elementary school, was in theater. Um, and in elementary school, I was in uh, The Pirates of Penzance, The Music Man, uh, and then I had a minor role in Sound of Music as one of the nuns. Classic. Your high school's just doing all these classics? Yeah, my elementary school. Our music teacher, Miss Urson, shout out to Miss Urson, um, was very ambitious and she really whipped us into shape and, and put Wait, us in Wait, you were shows. elementary children? Yes, I was in grade <laughs> six, seven, and eight when I did those three. That's wild. Oh, yeah. it no, was... My shows were, were, were like Alice in Wonderland and... Uh... What's the one with the Wizard of Oz? That one. The Wizard of Oz? (laughs) (laughs) What's that one where he's a wizard and he lives in Oz? (laughs) What's that one? Um, And then in high school, I uh, was mostly just in like shorter plays, but I did win some awards, which is like funny to think about as an actor. Okay. And then I just never did it again. Like, I don't know. Um, But I did also, as I think I've talked about on the show, work at Globe Theater for a long time here in town. Um, so got the very fun experience of like getting to witness uh, professional theater being made all the time. And I really miss the, the theater parts of that job. Um, yeah, I really love theater. So I'm excited that we're talking about this. Um, so we briefly talked about this earlier via text. So I think we need to talk about it here on the show. Um, we've done an episode on musicals before. How do they fit into all of this? And like, are they part of our conversation this week? Are we kind of glossing over them since we've talked about it before? What are we doing? 
Well, this is a great question because you guys don't know this, but I woke up on Sunday morning and basically exploded out of my mouth and my butt. And I was extremely sick. <gasps> no. From, like, I was so sick. It was so weird. But I basically, um, so I spent all day just lying around being miserable and watching um, Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's okay. It's for this, it'll, it's for this episode. Fiddler on the Roof is very comfort watch for me. And then after I was done, I was like, well, actually, this doesn't count because it's a musical. But I didn't even I didn't even know the connection that I was missing. Well, Which and is I fair. sort of have I've just been living free of my with my own rules apparently, uh, because from from my kind of I don't know from my view and Tony has told me that this is wrong. Sonia has told me that Tony has said this is incorrect. <laughs> but uh, like a uh, a musical is just like another like like type of category not unlike drama to me in the fact that a play is a thing that's done in front of a live audience and that could be a musical or it might not be like like that's the the, the stage and the and the humans are the thing that make it a play for jeremy mm-hmm. um but uh i i hadn't really thought about it until a thing crossed my mind and we i said the thing uh i, I don't i'm not particularly i think technically away. it's like a stage show is the umbrella and then cool. under it well, I think no, I, I think musicals are plays still. Like, it's like all yeah. like mu- musicals are plays, but not all plays are musicals. So, like, oh, I'm not me I'm writing not, my SATs. Yeah, yeah. I'm not here to tell you guys what you can and can't talk about on the show. So, if a musical comes up, I think that's fine. Right, Sonia's so, so like, got all these hard rules, <laughs> just, these hardcore just, rules. Just in terms of the the general spoiler alert taxonomy. Uh, if someone said, oh, we're going to a musical, I would probably think that they're going to a play, but they could be going to The Greatest Showman. Yeah. That's right. Like it, Like, it's it's not a, it's not exclusively, you know, because oh, like, uh, what's, yeah, there's, because I can think of lots of musicals that are not plays. Mm. In fact, from my experience, I can think of more that are, you know, every, like, is Moana a musical? I think so. Yeah. Yes. You know, anyway, um. But I digress. Anyway, I had just thought of it kind of as a, its own category. But Sonia has pointed out, and I would like you to unpack this a bit more, hmm. that like the the general community approaches it differently. Well, I mean, I won't speak for the whole theater community, but I know there is definitely some distinction made for sure between straight mm-hmm. plays, as they're called, and musicals. Yeah. Um, you know, like which is I a think... very unfortunate way to categorize. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Say. <laughs> yeah, because all the queers are in musicals. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, like I think there's a, a history of uh, non-musical plays being taken somewhat more seriously. Um, mm. You know, I think musicals often are kind of seen more as like a commercial venture in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of kind of I, I don't know, panic, I would, I guess, in like the theater, professional theater world about kind of the Disneyfication of theaters and how, you know, like there are pressures for companies to like have at least one like Disney musical per year to like yeah. make up sales. Um, mm. And then, yeah, like on the kind of like awards front, like the Tonys does differentiate between the two in terms of like awarding things. Um mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I mean, ultimately, and and like I guess medium wise, like they they approach storytelling a different way. Like it is a kind of, it's a different medium in us in some ways. But then, like you said, like a lot of the elements are also the same. So it becomes that thing of like, at what point do categories stop being necessary and useful? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, in ter- in terms of our episode, uh, this uh, does well. I don't know. I think we we're all. Uh, in the in the words of uh, I can't remember anyone's name from Schitt's Creek, uh, but um, I like the wine, not the label, and I think we can just mm, David. Uh, mm. make our make our peace with that as long as it it benefits us. But uh, it was just like a, a thought I had, mm-hmm. and I was like, huh. And it does kind of seem like there is a ball of wax that I just never thought of, because I'm also just in no way like in like I don't know anything about the theater community Mm. as a whole aside from like a few dudes who do lights that i know the Mm -hmm. least the least dramatic among the drama community you know what i mean (laughs) but the most dramatic among the technicians i think Uh, (laughs) yeah honestly that's so true although sound designers also them um yeah the honestly the people behind the scenes are howling every yeah. (laughs) yeah um they they be shrieking (laughs) i also just wanted to say like for me personally um we've done a shakespeare episode so he's not figuring into this too much for me uh in this episode either but um Mm -hmm. again (laughs) you guys can talk about what you want to talk about but for me it's just that he would like kind of dominate the conversation Mm -hmm. so i'm like go back and listen to the shakespeare episode shakespeare's mother I don't, I don't know if you guys saw that Wikipedia list, but I like the first thing we always do is like movies based on plays and it's literally like Shakespeare's list, all other plays. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the actual dichotomy on, and that actually takes you to another article. Yeah. Uh, because there's so many. Adaptations um, that, of Shakespeare, yeah. That guy, he liked writing plays. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> that's what and I And <laughs> Okay. Well, so with all of that preamble, let's get into it. Um, how well do you guys think the medium of theater adapts to the screen? And like, why do you think that? I think sometimes it can be really well done, but it does, it just inherently creates a bit more of a claustrophobic feeling in your film Mm -hmm. because it's, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty few spaces, usually one space, like not, there's not a lot of moving around. Um, and some sometimes that can be used well, and sometimes it like can be very can feel kind of limiting for your film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, a really good way to put it. I I think that there's kind of like two like approaches to the whole the whole thing, where you either like Hamilton it and film a play, which I hate more than any thing on the planet like i just do not understand really uh i i i get like i get what they're doing but it is just like an approximate elevated version of like just pointing a camera at the stage when you're a dad filming your kid in a play yeah true but i do <laughs> you know, need, like, i do want to be seeing these stagings because yeah. i yeah I will never see it otherwise. True. And I think that's kind of the the push and pull, right? Like, it's like, you know, there's no other way we're going to see Hamilton other than that that mode. Yeah. I just wish they would make something with it. But the, the other half of it is like, oh, we're going to go super big 
and like it's gonna be what it ought to be and like when you get so literal with it I think that you lose a lot of what the play has to offer in terms of you know having people kind of engage with it in a bit of a more uh I don't know on the level way you know like I I don't need to see a CGI Spider-Man uh all the time (laughs) Oh God! Don't and bring up the like, Spider-Man play. <laughs> I, I, but I, you know, I feel like if you let these stage people loose with like a whole bunch of 3D technology and Unreal engines and stuff, like they're just gonna go to, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> um, anyway, I think it's hard, and I think that it's hard because you conceive of a thing in a certain way, and then to try and move that to a different space, it's been done. It's been done very well. It's just it takes a lot of work and a lot of thought. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with both both of you on that. I think, um, kind of like you said, Sean, like I think plays can become really interesting films because they are so often focused on like a kind of small interior, like the interiority of the characters and like kind of like small problems, if you will, in the sense of like interpersonal problems, like relationships, like that's often kind of the focus of a play because it lends itself well to people on stage talking. Um, and so it can make for, yeah, like like film can kind of lend some interesting things to that because, you know, you can like get kind of a different perspective. Like if you're watching a play, you're only ever seeing one point of view, which is like where you're sitting. Um, and obviously like there are different stage configurations that can change that. Like seeing something in the round is going to make it a lot different and dynamic. But like, you know, you're never getting a close up. You're always as far away as you are. Um, and so and like, can... there are definitely. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say. And then for performance wise, like because if it's on the stage, the person is, you know, you have to be playing. From uh, row. Be pretend that you're angry and then you're like, <laughs> you know, and it, on stage, you just have to be the biggest amount. But it's like in a in a film, you can just like you know, do a a small facial change and it it conveys just as much emotion without you like being a full Bette Midler to the back room sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, and there's a sort of intimacy and risk uh, associated with it in terms of like, there are a lot of sort of catches in other mediums where you can redo a shot, you can pick a different shot, you can get a stunt up. Like there's so many things, right? And we're very used to sort of that process. But the other thing that happens is that you have people who are living these things and honestly get to a level of comfort that I'll never understand. Because um, I know a few actors who like, if they do like a run, mm, like a, like mm-hmm. a three week something, by the end of it, they're so comfortable with it, it weirds me out. Like that, like, you know, like they'll just like, oh, I got to run to work. And then they'll go act for three hours and then like meet you for drinks after. And it's like nothing happen and i'm like how are you not exhausted but they also get real good at it Mm -hmm. and then i think there must be versions where like people start to get lazy as well right like any job for like really long things but uh it i i think i would like if we could ever afford to go to like the same play every week for like two months you know and like just like see what happens to the production i think that could be really interesting because there has to be like levels of like understanding and like people get to work on it. Right. Like they just get to like retry stuff and make things better or get lazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like, Oh, sorry. Very Julia versus Julia experiment. 
Mm-hmm. But it changes. Yeah, yes. and that's like like that's definitely something that I watched happen when I worked at Globe because I was yeah. lucky enough that that's a company where we were invited to see um, like the first rehearsal, the first production run, and then we would see like a tech run and then get to go like on opening night and maybe one other time. So there were shows there that I saw like, you know, six or seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely there's some of that um, where it's really cool to, yeah, kind of see like how things change, how different choices are made, how the energy is different on a different night. But um I think that's also part of what is impossible to capture in a film that there is in live theater, which is just that energy in the room and like that, um, the fact that it is happening live and that literally anything could happen moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, they're like actors will talk about how there are just some performances where they just like hit something different and it just like comes alive in this new way. And so mm-hmm. like, especially, you know, having just, like with the pandemic, like not having been to as many live performances, like that's something that I found myself really, really missing. It's just like that. I don't even know what it is. Like just that electricity of being mm-hmm. in the room while it's happening. My friend what? had and- season tickets to the globe, like on the floor basically. And we yeah. would always go and people were like, like, throwing sweat on you like barking in your face like sitting on your lap it was so intense in that spot but i but i loved it it felt so dangerous yeah <laughs> like someone's it's... going to like it's, you're you're so everyone is so close to me you can see them like you can see like people breathing it's intense yeah uh, and I, that's just something I you can't get a, with a movie no i did see a dinner theater once where uh, there was a guy, like a character, an actor who was he was cracking up a lot, and like you could tell, like you know how like it's infectious, right? Like it slowly starts to spread, and by the end of it, all of them just could not handle. Like they like they, they all couldn't do it. I don't know how many times they had done this thing, but the fact that this guy just kept screwing up was hilarious to at least a few of them, and then it just kept going. And I was ta- I was with my drama teacher at the time, and um, he was like, "That was very unprofessional." But, like, it's interesting to see how that can only happen there, and that probably will never happen again. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, we, so, like, we had a, a unique moment, not on, like, a, like, that's kind of the reason you go to a concert, right? You know, yeah. it's for, like, uh, a version of something, yes, but your version of it, hopefully, uh, depending on how the night goes. And that brings me to a thing that I think is terrible, is when there's a moment that happens where the audience thinks it's new and fresh, like, I went to a play once where a, a character's wig flew off um, and the entire cast was, like, just quietly, like, trying to, like, keep silent, but the audience obviously laughed uh, because they're doing all these, like, fast, quick changes. And so, mm-hmm. but then I realized after that that was probably a scripted moment mm. to, like, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm that's less funny for me. Yeah. Like, to, to, to sort of fake that uh, reaction of something going off the rails that I was like, now I don't like it. Yeah, that's really interesting because there are also like whole plays that are literally kind of designed to be like that. Like the play mm-hmm. that went wrong? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Interesting. 
But with that, uh, we'll take a brief intermission to hear a word from our sponsors. Grab yourself a definitely reasonably expensive glass of wine. Get in line for the bathrooms. (laughs) And be sure to come back as soon as the lights start to flicker for more Spoiler Alert here on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to talking about movies adapted from plays in uh, just a hot five here. Um, But first... (laughs) Um, do you two, uh, do you two members of the chorus know, uh, what time it is? Um, well, show is at eight, uh, so we probably have enough time for a warm up and maybe, uh... It's game time, people! Oh! For those who don't know, or if you... Michigan frog over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... The game is where I spend... Actually, I feel like I spent no time this week because this title came to me, you know? (gasps) Did it? Like, I didn't do any work in it, and it came to me, yeah. Um, Where I find a title related to our topic that these two have hopefully not seen. I tell them the title. They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. We all have a great time. Um... Did I do that whole thing? That sounded like the whole thing. That's not... It was it. Yeah, I lost my case. But you didn't ask Are you guys ready to play... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys ready to play the game? Yes. Yes, hair director. (laughs) There we go. Uh, This week's title is Noises Off. Mm. That title again, Noises Off. I will give you a hint. Noises Off? Yes. I will give you both a hint. Uh, This actually, I thought this was like a joke hint, but now that I think about it, it's actually a pretty good hint. Uh, This is the title of both the film and the play. Mm. Mm. So there's no, no switcheroos happening here. You don't have to try and think of what this could be or anything. That is what the the actual thing is called. Okay, um, I okay. think Noise is Off is kind of like a, a play within a play situation where a down-on-his-luck, mm. like, once-revered director, um, kind of an Orson Welles type maybe, I guess, is uh, is trying to kind of, like, put, stage the production that will be his, his great comeback. And then also he thinks, like, his final, his final great show. Um and so he hires, you know, this this up-and-coming starlet who he is trying to seduce um, to kind of, like, get control over her because she has, very much has a mind of her own and she keeps kind of derailing his plans for the show. He's got, like, his, his difficult leading man who's, who's giving him a hard time. Like, it's just not going to plan. Um, but they're finally, you know, on stage trying to do a first kind of run-through and they start to hear these weird noises from offstage. Um, and, and he keeps shouting, like, someone turn those noises off, but, uh, it just keeps coming up and, and no one can figure out, like, it gets to the point where they're, like, tearing down walls backstage, (sighs) they're, like, trying to figure out where these noises could possibly be coming from, and they can't figure them out, and so it's about the ensuing mystery of that, and then also what will happen with, as the, as the opening night, uh, approaches. My gosh, I have chills. Right? Chills, literal chills. Will someone stop the damn beating of these noises? <laughs> yeah, it's very Edgar Allan Poe. Um, okay, I'm also going to say mine's play within a play. Mm. And mine is about a pivotal moment where someone in the audience's phone uh, goes off during a play and the lead character in the play stops stops the play and berates them furiously. Patty Lapone. <laughs> Very Patty Lapone. But then that 
moment is sort of an incite inciting uh, moment for the rest of the play. It's like this. It's kind of like the slap, where like mm. uh, it happens, and then the the rest of the play is, or she gets really bad press from it. She maybe is being pressured to quit the show. She, the man that it happened to also is like getting dragged in in real life. People, he's like. <gasps> People are like doxing him, like this is the guy who did it, and he had his phone on because he was like waiting for a call, an important call about a health situation, whatever. Oh my. And so these two basically are dealing with the onslaught of the insane thing that happened after the noise. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, I gotta say, that yeah. sounds good. <laughs> that does sound good. They both sounded good. I thought. Yeah. They both. They both said it pretty good. Uh, I think you guys might be getting better at the game. Uh, I was going to award half points for a play within a play, but you both did it, so there's no point in awarding uh, oh, things if you both get it. Um, uh, it. You guys, this is crazy. Why? This is, a cr- this, this, is, this is a crazy play, and it's a crazy movie, and I couldn't watch the whole thing because I kind of ran out of time. Um, but the play was written uh, in 82... By Michael Fran. Okay. Sonia, Two first names. To correct. Two first names. Yeah, uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, anyway, um, but uh, it's this really cr- crazy play within a play, and all three acts are actually the first act of the play again and again and again. <gasps> and uh, the first act is like a tech rehearsal, and then the next one is like a pre show, and then the final version is like three like two two months into their run like when they're almost done and and like all all of the props are breaking down and there's all these things but this goes as far as to like (laughs) like the program is crazy and it's also part of the play and like there's just all these like weird weird things going on um the first time you see the play the director is in the audience yelling at the actors to like get organized and everything because it is kind of about a new director who's coming to like get this troupe to work and then the second one the second run you actually see it from backstage so they like change the thing around um the film which was made in 1992 ba 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 bombed uh which was crazy because it starred carol burnett michael caine uh who else is on this list john ritter Christopher Reeve. Wow. Uh, and yeah, like all very good, all very funny, um, all playing the, the actors and then the characters playing the actors. And like, it's just this like crazy, crazy thing. Box office, 12 million or budget, 12 million box office, 2 million. Oh no. So I don't know. I don't know what it, <laughs> I don't know what came out. Something as. did not hit. Yes. Something anyway, but um, check this out. I'm interested because it it just it looks crazy. It mm. looks crazy, and um, it looks super. Well, I, I caught a half hour of it. I was kind of weird, like unsure if I was going to talk about it because I didn't finish watching the whole thing. But that I was like, oh, it's a perfect game. If you know. So anyway, uh, do check do check it out. Do um, check. You guys, thank you for playing the game. Thank uh, and you. the game is brought to you. The game is brought to you by the CJTR membership drive, which is on now until. Uh, Monday, April twenty fourth. Oh, buy a new buy a new membership or renew your current membership today and become part of the CJTR community. 
As a member of CJTR, you'll receive benefits like programmer bidding rights, the ability to join our board, exclusive giveaways, and more. Memberships start at only $30 a year with special two, three, and five-year discounted rates. In addition to our regular membership perks, if you renew or purchase your membership before the end of the day on May, on Monday, April 24th, uh, you get an exclusive CJTR Community Radio Lover pin back button. You guys, Ooh. I think I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Exclusive is in all caps and italics, so this <laughs> oh is the only gosh. time to get these buttons. Okay? Go to cjtr.ca to purchase your membership online today or call CJTR at 306-525-7274 to learn more. You guys, I don't know about you, but I have a whole lot of friends who often say things like, oh, I know so much about this, I should have a podcast or some version mm, of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Or like like two bros who are like, dude, we should start a podcast about insert whatever, yes. likely uh, murder mystery related thing that is <laughs> likely that is here likely um, True crime. anyway yes uh you guys if you have ideas like that join cjtr today and pitch the show to the the board and see if it becomes a reality and find out if you can have your very own show based on whatever topic that you like to have we definitely love to have different crazy weird uh ideas on the station so uh come come with your best you, your best plans you and too maybe, can hear your dulcet tones on the radio yeah maybe just maybe you'll find two friends who you want to talk to for five years about uh weird weird and specific <laughs> things related to entertainment mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's nice because uh, community radio is really like the only opportunity that you have to make that kind of stuff and just have it true. be produced out in the world Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For zero dollars uh, to yourself, except yes. for the membership, of course, <laughs> which you need to buy, which is worth and it. you should. It is worth very it. much. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for uh, listening to Jeremy read this document about the membership drive and for playing the game. Love to thank hear you reading you. the document. Thank you. <laughs> get your memberships. Get it. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get into talking about some actual specific movies that have been adapted from plays. Um, which ones do y'all want to chat about? I want to start things off with, so, friend of the show, Ben Schneider, just saw A Streetcar Named Desire um, <gasps> in Europe, starring a certain Paul Mezcal. He did not. Okay, sorry. I'm reacting to this in real time, and I, I might die. You didn't know I this? Yeah. No, yes, I did. think I'm dying. He's, he did. Sonia's dying. Um, oh and so I thought it would be nice to talk about Tennessee Williams' A Streetcar Named Desire. Perfect, and because I just watched it for the first time this week. Did you? Uh-huh. Um, but now I'm really a, upset that it wasn't the one with Paul Mezcal in it. I know. Well, maybe you'll see the some... movie's coming. Maybe you'll see some sort of bootleg on the internet I soon. I looked, but yeah, I'll have to look for a slime tutorial. Um, as is all Tennessee Williams, there's always gay husband, complicated woman, <laughs> Southern Belle. There's a, a lot of gay. There's a lot of great, like things that are so Tennessee Williamsy. Yeah. And they're all here. It's all, here. all here. Blanche Dubois is an icon. She's a mess, but she's oh. great. She's got things going on. (laughs) Boy, howdy, is she a mess. Yeah, you watched it for the first time, Sonia. I did. It's it's been one of those ones that's like 
been on the must-watch list for so long, and this just seemed like the perfect week to finally do it. Bite the bullet. Yeah. It's Did really good. Hot, hot take. Yeah. <laughs> hot take. This <laughs> classic, widely acclaimed piece of art is really good. Um, it's a tough watch in several ways. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to watch someone as hot as Marlon Brando is in this uh, do such bad things and yeah, be a, a mean, a mean bad, man. Bad man. Mm. And some of it's, you know, some of it is kind of justified where you're like, yeah, I too would not be stoked about my extremely dramatic uh, sister-in-law with a very complicated past just sort of showing up to my tiny home. Yeah, call her out. Feel free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do that. Maybe but... some, not the other stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the various forms not of gender that. violence that he exhibits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but incredible performances uh, from all three leads. Uh, Vivian Lee plays Blanche and is just like, like, it would be so easy to say that this performance is like too much, but it somehow isn't. You know what I mean? Because it's like, that's Blanche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the whole point is to make it too much. Right. Right. Like, and this is actually, oh my God. Is this that theater thing we were talking about? It might be. Did, did, did that just click in for me right now? Yeah. Because Maybe. on stage, she's probably not doing... The question is not, is she doing too much? Is mm. it? Is she probably... Is she doing enough? Right. You would have to really sell it to, to yeah. convey that, like, too muchness of Blanche. Um, but, yeah, it's really interesting, like, some of the themes that I think it's grappling with in terms of, like, him kind of representing, like, reality and, like, the material reality of many people and her kind of being, like, this ideal, this, like, you know, f- the world of fantasy and all of her, like, frilly, frothy clothes and, you know, her complete inability to recognize the reality of her own circumstances. Um, and just, like, their tension and back and forth through the whole thing i think it was really successful in capturing like that tension which i'm sure is just like wild in a really good live performance um but you know like the movie would absolutely not work if they didn't manage to convey that and i think they did Mm -hmm. uh sandra just looking at the list uh why why did you go with the 51 as opposed to the 84 or the 95 um you didn't want to see alec baldwin (laughs) i did i did briefly consider that one and then sort of maybe see alec baldwin and say no thank you but also i feel like it just is the 51 is like the it's the classic iconic marlon brando classic and yeah like was i gonna not um have the chance to look at young marlon brando and watch him be a master of his craft no i wasn't gonna not do that oh man so sad but yeah, sorry, Sean. I feel like I kind of took that over. Was there anything no, else no, no, you no. wanted to say about it? I, that was just like, I felt, I want to pop pop that thing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I will talk about uh, my pick. I forgot that this is one of my favorite movies. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I totally forgot. I grew up watching it all the time. Uh, my brother and I talk about it constantly. And I had just forgotten, but that's of course '68's *The Odd Couple*, mm-hmm. um, starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, which honestly is like 
more of a powerhouse than I ever could describe in words, uh, as we all know. Literally, uh, this came. this sparked a like a universe of Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon pairings, yeah. right? It, they just were like, honestly, this is good. It honestly did. And I don't know if you guys have ever coupled it with 98's The Odd Couple 2, which is the perfect ending to their like to what happens like like it just like it bookends it so hard isn't that just so grumpy older. old man no it's great have you not seen the odd couple too no we've had this we've definitely had this conversation oh, before and i think we? we just have to do an episode we just got to do a lemon mathow episode oh, oh man, that's, that's good. such a good idea that's a Holy good idea wow. wow um anyway i think so like watching it so this is the story of uh i don't yeah i don't know how many at what point do I cover that this is Felix and Oscar, uh, who are two different men who are grumpy and can't <laughs> live with each other because one's too clean and one's too messy. Aye, and aye, there's aye. actually like a whole a whole bunch more going on there than what what is there. And there's also just a lot of nah! but uh it's all <laughs> it's all these different sort of elements put together. Um I rewatching it this week, it is painfully obvious that it's a play. Which mm. I don't think in my youth I ever saw. Like, I never noticed it. But it is just like, okay, we're going to have four camera setups. And then we're going to have this one camera set up for 90% of the time. And you guys just run it and we'll just use that. And then it's interspersed with these, like, kind of oddly placed city scenes, mm. actually. Um, just because the other the other parts are so, I don't know, a bunch of people in an apartment. Which is kind of impossibly made because it was made to look like a stage. Um, but I think the thing that draws me to this and that makes it so interesting, and this is not like a novel thing, but it was when it hit me, is that like, this is just a story about like a couple of people who are not in love in the traditional way, mm. right? Like they're not, they don't love each other, like a leading lady or, you know, like all the hundred percent of the other movies I had seen up to that point. But it was just about like them figuring out their existence and kind of like breaking up is okay. Because they didn't break up, but, like, they just couldn't sustain that mode of life. Um, and then I didn't have time to watch it this week. But in The Odd Couple 2, their children are getting married. So they have to go to the wedding. That's and, what happens uh, in Grumpy Old Men, too, gotta say. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Um, but this is a travel movie where they're traveling. And so, like, all of the things from their houses, like, you know, like, Oscar versus Felix packing and how they each pack... You know, right. and it's of course like thirty years, well, forty years later. All all the different elements that really make it great. So, um, really a a really dynamite sort of pair to watch. A really great like very late uh, um, sequel, and uh, two actors just doing just doing their thing, just just going just just hitting that pickleball back and forth. <laughs> pickleball. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Those are dudes. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're men, of a, men of a certain age, of course. Playing pickleball. Um, we go. Okay. Well, now to shift in possibly the starkly most opposite direction. Um, Let's do it. I want to talk about 2008's Doubt. I was going to um, bring up Doubt too, son. Oh, well, because wow, it is, we... it really is a, you know. Oh, Yeah. Can you imagine a 20-year-old Sean Denham going to the theater to see Doubt? I think it's so... Like, because I was like, oh, I saw this in theater. And I was like, why did... Like, what what made me want to do that? But I had a great time. 
Meryl. I feel it was the power of Meryl. Um, you do what you do. So this is uh, based on a 2004 play uh, called Doubt a Parable. Um, and both the film and play are about um, a nun, Sister Aloysius, um, who suspects that a very the very charismatic um, priest, uh, Father Flynn, is... Um, Molesting children. I was going to try and find a euphemism, but uh, basically that, yeah, that he's a predator. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sister Aloysius is played by Meryl Streep in uh, the film. And uh, Father Flynn is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, I mean, I think some of the success of the movie is just like literally two of the greatest actors of our time squaring off mm-hmm. in this super intimate, super intense, super like... Um, relationship and character driven piece of work um and yeah the film kind of just explores like the process of her kind of like confronting him and like trying to figure out a way to protect the kids from him when he you know is in the catholic church and has all this power um and yeah it's just really really intense and really good um I saw the I saw a live production of it. Um, I'm oh. trying to think when. Like, I think I was a teenager, which is wild because the Globe put it on, and my parents were um, subscribers, and I went with them. Wait, um, it's a 2004 play. Yeah. And you saw it merely a couple years after. I think yeah. I think in the like 2000 and like probably the late 2000s. It's not often that a play will like, you know, yeah, be performed and then make it like drift on down to the, the Globe Theater. Yeah. Well, it did like it did win the Pulitzer and the Tony for Best Play. Like it was a smash hit. So I feel like it's one yeah. of those things where it was probably like a a popular choice to put yeah. on. Um, but yeah, like it like. I feel like the movie captured a lot of the intensity and like the kind of powerful messages that the the production was grappling with, but it wasn't the same. It just in terms of like, and like in some ways the movie is probably an easier watch in that way because like mm. sitting in a theater with all of those feelings of the play was like just a really deep and intense experience. But you know, there's also something really cathartic about that and. Yeah. Anyway, doubt. <laughs> it's not fun. a fun watch, but it is a good one. It was also our first eyes on Viola Davis. Yes, true. Or my first eyes on Viola Davis. Who As plays a like a really intense, complicated character. And very intense, complicated mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, honestly, would strongly recommend because I feel like it maybe is one of those movies that just like has has drifted into the sands of time, but is worth I do. I should definitely give that a rewatch. I do remember a lot of like papers flying everywhere. Like who left this window open? Things are, things are in disarray <laughs> as just like chaos ensues as this room is full of papers. <laughs> yeah. That might not um, be true, but it is what, that is in my memory. So, <laughs> But I do feel like Doubt was a good example of like stage to screen in mm-hmm. terms of like, because it did like i don't yeah it did feel close 
I remember it like things being like very like adversarial and like hunkered down on the two of them. And like, I thought that really worked, but now like I've never seen a stage production of it, but I do think like someone yelling at me physically would be worse than, you know, like more emotional than watching it play out on the screen. But it just kind of makes me go like, Hmm. But yeah, I think it is an example of like doing it well, where they like do mm -hmm. broaden the world a bit. Like it's not as stuck as it would be in the play, but it's still kind of like, but it doesn't overdo that, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like the conversations that they're each having just take place in a different room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Any others that you guys want to chat about? Um, I will just say just this is mostly a joke, but I was going to bring up when I was looking online, Strange Brew popped up and I was going to say, is an SNL skit, are we considering a play? Because That's then it opens funny. up an entire universe of of SNL movies, which are one of the lowest forms of comedies, I gotta say. But was was Strange Brew SNL or was it SCTV? It was SCTV. It was SCTV. Was a, wow, yeah. you're right. Which honestly, <laughs> oh, but honestly, maybe even closer to a play in some ways. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Kind of like down that that hierarchy. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a just a same family. This is one of those questions that shows you how care, how categories are often a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Uh, I will just quickly mention, uh, I did watch A Bronx Tale this week. Oh. Uh, which I don't understand how ever it could be a musical, but you know, whatever, because it's a Robert De Niro-directed gangster movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it is pretty intense. It deals with sort of with the main character is not Robert De Niro, but his son who is sort of struggling between doing what his dad says and doing what this mobster says and like getting a, going through a life of crime to get money or not. Um, but, uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, it's pretty good and you should watch it if you haven't and you like, uh, mob movies. Mm. This one is definitely like, I, there's, there's like a sense of chivalry usually like in a lot of these and it is not here. so like they are criminals who are breaking the law and hurting people oh so yeah that makes me want to watch it yeah um another one that i watched this week that honestly it's like i don't even know if it's worth talking about is amadeus uh from 1984 which is based on a 1979 play of the same name um i don't it's a very widely acclaimed movie, and, like, it is good, but is it as good as everyone says? Great question. I haven't seen it. I'd say probably not. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. there are some really good performances, know, so but I was watching it this week, and I was just like, is this worth my three hours? I don't <laughs> oh, know. I th- what I, I would give a- for a film that's 90 minutes anymore. <laughs> True. True. Uh, but I do think seeing it live would yeah. be better right like that's the you know and that's the thing where it is just like okay you you did it you went too big it's too hardcore there's too much you know and like you've lost what the play was for you know trying to make this huge movie yeah so yeah yeah like i'm like do i i I don't even know if i have anything that interesting to say about it um maybe maybe the best poster of all time yeah, the poster is so good. That is true. It's, uh, it's and some really great wigs. Um, Ooh, the wig work. 
so instead i think i'll just really quickly mention rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead um which is the adaptation of the tom stoppard play um i think the film was in 1990 and the play was in like the 60s but i think this is an example of one where even though i think the movie's pretty good it really shows you how not everything can just automatically be adapted to a movie and be as good because it's just so not as good as the stage show. And it's just some of the stuff like I know that Robert Roger Ebert in like his review talked about kind of the language because there are all these layers of like pun and just like super quick moving dialogue that just like really work on stage and for some reason just kind of don't in the movie the same. Like yeah. I think it's some of that like energy piece. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a it's a real good one, but not not as good of a movie. Um, but that is all the time we have for this week. So all the thanks to Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, to my co-hosts, Sean and Jeremy, everyone at CGTR, and to you, our beloved listeners, for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Fridays at 3, and is available as a podcast uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. My Electric is coming up next. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. See ya.